This is Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, where we talk to industrial and systems engineers about their work, ideas, and solutions. Welcome to Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. I'm Michael Hughes, and today we're talking with engineer and project manager Barry Stetter of WaveGarden, a Spanish enterprise that can bring a surf park to your neighborhood. Welcome to Problem Solved. How are you doing this afternoon in Spain? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having Wave Garden. Um, you represent Wave Garden. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, north of Spain in the Basque Country. And uh, we're lucky to have a sunny day today. So happy about that. Great. So you're an engineer manager for Wave Garden that manufactures wave parks. How many engineers does Wave Garden have? And would you consider yourself an engineering company or a surfing company? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, what we produce are, are, are machines to make waves. Uh, that's, that's our business. But WaveGarden, I believe at its core is a research and development facility. We have about 70 employees. Of those 70, 80% are engineers uh, with a master's and even PhDs. Um, we are a world leader in wave making technology, but, um, and we have the most successfully operating commercial facilities. But we're always trying to improve, and that's the engineering aspect. Uh, we, have, we have a huge range of engineers, in fact, in our office. We have structural, structural engineers for machines. We also have structural engineers for civil works. Uh, we have mechanical machine engineers. In Spain, mechanical engineers are engineer of moving parts, as opposed to we also have mechanical engineers, which do HVAC, heating ventilation. Uh, we obviously have electrical engineers, civil engineers, industrial engineers, uh, and of course, computational fluid dynamics, which are the guys doing the analysis of the water particles, finite element analysis, and then the moving elements outside of the guys doing finite element analysis for the structure of the machine. So quite involved. And that's just engineering there there's a there's a whole different component of of support so we have after sales we have an after sales team obviously we're available for our clients once they purchase the machine we have quality control which is you know of installation and fabrication and, and post installation uh, not to mention logistics architects uh, master planners uh, surf operations so it's a really huge team here at wave garden um, involving from engineering to the guys bringing it home, the operations. Wow, that sounds like a massive operation to engineer waves. What technologies do you use to engineer those waves? Um, well, WaveGarden has been uh, research and developing wave making for over 10 years. Uh, we've tried everything from circular technologies to pneumatics and also using a tractor, a physical tractor to pull a blade underwater. Uh, the, lat the latter of which, the tractor, uh, seemed to have gained momentum, and it was actually the first technology that we developed. So not so much a tractor for commercial applications. Nobody wants a tractor running down a field, pulling a blade underwater. That's probably a bit scary. But uh, what we developed was a, a motor on a track uh, with a blade underwater. And when that blade moved underwater, it created a, 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 wake, a, a wave, a surfable wave. Um, and that was the first technology that we developed and it was commercially available. But unfortunately, that technology was limited. It was limited in the number of waves per hour 
and in the types of waves that it could produce. Um, unless you scaled up the size of the lagoon, and this technology of a motor and a blade is a, is a square, is a rectangular lagoon, and you have to scale it up a lot, like very, very a lot. And, um, and financially, it didn't make sense, uh, not with the limited uh, weights per hour and the costs of the land. So while we did have initial success with, uh, with this blade technology, um, Josema, who's our CEO and the so-called brain of Wave Garden, he decided to, I think in my opinion, completely pivot and come up with a new technology. And the new technology we have now is called the Wave Garden Cove. So that's where we are on that. So you mentioned the earlier technology with the blade that could not be scaled up and you moved to a newer technology using electromechanics. What's the real difference between the two technologies and how do you feel industrial engineering has played a role in this development? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we spoke earlier offline about electromechanical uh, system that we have now, and, and I'll, I'll try to explain a little bit. Uh, in terms of uh, the process of how we went from one machine to the other and how it may relate to your listeners and your podcast uh, and industrial engineering, so WaveGarden's focus has always been efficiency, uh, which is quite the core principle of industrial engineering process. Uh, a wave-making solution that is scalable, economical, and as sustainable as possible. Um, and I, I can't imagine any successful industrial engineering process that doesn't adhere to those principles. At the end of the day, uh, the initial technology by WaveGarden and the new technology are similar in that the process involves industrial engineering analysis of steel and structures and the behavior of the structure to sustain loads and pressures associated with the wave making process. So we're talking fuel dynamics, uh, structural structural studies, and, and all that world. Uh, and I say that world because I'm, I'm scared to get into any more detail because that's left to my colleagues who are, who are much brighter than me in, in that sense. Uh, the process of creating such a machine uh, in following the industrial principles uh, being, you know, at the core level of what I understand is where and what quality of raw materials are available, how long it takes to fabricate and ensure the quality control, what are the costs, can we standardize the process? And I would imagine if your listeners are listening right now and they could call in, they call it in, you know, ask me a, a ton of other questions or recommendations of what we should do with our industrial process. But as, as I think we spoke earlier, I'm a mechanical engineer and uh, I come from a construction management background. So I'm, I found myself now surrounded with, with a whole world that, uh, that's quite interesting. Um, so in terms of the industrial engineering, I think the process is the same. And I think one, one thing that I have been newly exposed to working at Wave Garden is visiting our fabrication facility. Um, it might be something very common to your listeners, you know, industrial process and all the machines. You know, when you say industrial engineering, I'm thinking the Ford assembly line, you know, either, either people putting on wheels and cars or machines, you know, welding the glass or whatever, <laughs> gluing the glass, I guess. But uh, here, here's, it's, it's not, you know, an assembly line. Uh, you walk with our industrial engineering process and it's really another world. There are various parts, various locations, multiple teams working together. Um, and I have a lot of respect for those people, especially coming from a construction management background. I, I always, you know, in, in a bit of ignorance, thought industrial engineering is A, B, C, 
and you have your product. But here, you know, you have to you have to get part A, and part A depends on part F. And part F can be done if part B isn't ordered or available. So it's a it's a whole mix of things, and we're talking about a big machine here. And so I have a lot of respect for my colleagues who are doing that, and I'm very happy I'm not responsible for that because it's it's quite involved. Um, and so I, I think that's that's where the industrial engineering process takes place in, in our machine, uh, in our in our development of our machine. As for technologies, it's a different question. I can get into the technology if you want. Well, what can you say about the electromechanical and the energy efficiency? I was reading on the website uh, last night when I was looking around, just doing some more research, and the energy efficiency of, of what y'all have now versus what y'all had in the past seems to be astronomical. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Energy efficiency is one of the, of the leading market concerns right now, I guess, for any technology, whether it's your car or whether it's a, it's a wave machine. Um, in terms of our technology, I can't get too much into our technology, and I hope you and your, and your audience understands that. Um, I can confirm that our machine is based on electromechanical principles, so we have motors connected to gears, and those gears move paddles, uh, and those paddles move in a certain way that would generate the waves. Um, and it really is the most energy-efficient solutions, um, and our technology is completely bespoke. It's it's ours and it's totally custom. The closest uh, the closest leading competitor that we have uses a pneumatic technology or blowers. Uh, this technology is relatively available in the world and it's quite dated. And if, if you remember when you were a kid, if you were a kid and you visited a, a pool, a large pool, and you bobbed up and down, that that was usually a plunger technology or more commonly a pneumatic technology, air blowers. So they've been around for a long time. And uh, while companies using blowers may be able to control the pressures of those blowers, and, and now they're able to generate waves, uh, the principle of blowers really remains the same. Uh, and I mentioned, I mentioned earlier that we had researched different technologies and pneumatics being available and on the market was one of the technologies we researched. Uh, but to us, it didn't make sense. For one, our technology is is 10 times more energy efficient than uh, the pneumatics. And that's really important. If you're operating 14 to 16 hours a day, you're talking about millions and millions of dollars. So it's a really big factor. And so that's why we, we're really trying to focus on, on our technology and we believe that's the right, right solution. So if I'm at a wave garden cove and I'm surfing on waves, are they made by one big, large machine or are there multiple machines in the cove that are generating the waves? Michael, that's a very, very good question. And I'm trying to think how I can answer you while keeping our technology secret. We have one ah. machine. <laughs> we have one machine. And uh, that machine that you see in videos or photos, if you go online, Google Wave Garden, of course, you'll see one white machine. And below that, there's a series of paddles. And those paddles are connected to motors and gears, okay? So it is one machine, but there's different movement components inside that machine that generates the waves. And in fact, because we use the technology that we use, we are able to uh, recycle the energy that our, our paddles make. So when our paddles move to make the waves, when the water uh, forces them back into position, we're able to capture that energy and, uh, and be a bit more efficient than another technology could. Um, and on top of that, 
uh, powering our machine. We talked about power earlier. We're actually developing a design now for continuous demand, continuous load demand, which would completely reduce our peak demand. Um, and when that comes out, I think that will be a completely uh, industry disruptor. It's, it's going to change the industry. It's going to be really incredible because we will be truly able to be self-sufficient. Right now, everybody will try to, will, will be using green energy. So somewhere down the line on the power grid, they'll be connected to green energy. And that's wonderful and, of course, encouraged. But to be completely self-sufficient on green energy is quite difficult. But our technology will allow us to do that uh, very shortly. And that's very exciting. That is a very exciting future, definitely. So you're, you're not from Spain, but you're living in the Basque country. Do you notice any difference in the engineering process from where you used to work in Canada? I think, well, for myself, I have two obstacles to overcome. I grew up most of my life in Canada, so my mother tongue is English. Uh, when I came to Spain, I had zero Spanish. And, and now I may be a little bit better, but, and, and I think I'm only a little bit better because my son is teaching me Spanish and my son is only four years old. And, uh, and my wife's actually told me the other day that I should start talking to him more so I can learn from him, but stop trying to talk to him in Spanish because I, I'm making mistakes in front of him. <laughs> so the first challenge I have is making sure I understand what our engineers are trying to explain to me. Um, I'm the contact between our engineering team and, and our clients. So um, the first step is making sure I understand them. And you have to understand that at Wave Garden, we have everybody at Wave Garden speaks at least two languages, if not three. Uh, we have people from Germany, France, Ireland, Argentina, Australia, Senegal. And some of those languages you can hear are Spanish, Uskera. Uskera is the local Basque language, which is completely different than Spanish. It's 5,000 years old, over 5,000. Very, very different. Uh, we have German, Senegalese, Catalan, which is from the Barcelona area, French. Uh, so a very diverse culture. And everybody who, who, who's here is bringing a different, you know, a different twist to the language, a different accent and a different uh, slang. So the first process is for me to understand what, what is being explained. Um, and I would love to tell you that I can do it easily, but it's, it's sometimes it's, it's frustrating, but it's always comical uh, because, you know, of engineering has its own language. You know, you and I could probably talk. You might not know about our technology, but you'd understand pretty quickly because engineering is a language on its own. You know what I mean? So if I showed you a set of plans, they might be in a different language, but you would automatically start picking them up because you're familiar with the symbols and the basic processes, but definitely you have to be creative. So if, if a colleague colleague is telling me that, you know, right now the steel is naked, he's probably talking about raw materials or if, if something needs to come from the butt, this probably means that it's coming from the rear of the machine. So, you know, it's, it's how they translate it. And for sure I'm at fault too. When I speak in Spanish, I'll walk into the engineering department that we have here and I'll try to explain to an engineer and then I'll see all the heads pop out of the computers and turn to me and say, what are you trying to say, Barry? And, and I'll forget to put an accent on something and I just completely, you know, insulted the person's dog or something and without intention. So there, there's definitely a good spirit here, uh, but everybody has the intention of working together 
and everybody wants to get it right. So the language is easily overcome uh, with the same motivation. What does change and what is difficult from in working in Wave Garden being a global company is that uh, the regulations change. So the, the engineering process and understanding engineering process outside of language is, is of course the same, the core principles are the same, engineering is a science and you can't cheat science. But the regulations I would say is what I find the most challenging, the most difficult. So for example, we are now building a machine for the United States and we have to comply with AWS, American Welding Society. And we've had to look into AISC certificates for our fabrication facilities. Um, I'm on the ASTM board, uh, volunteer board, uh, talking about wave technologies and learning about the many facets of ASTM. It's a very thick volume. Um, and that's very different from us needing to fabricate a machine for Japan. And that's uh, complying with JIS codes. So we have wonderful clients that help us, but we also have a very strong team here. Everybody from our logistics has to understand what's required to bring the machine to the US versus to the UK versus to Australia versus to Japan or wherever. And, and our quality control guys and our fabricators and our welders and our suppliers and all have to understand the different components so where that part of the machine is going from the motor, which has to be UL and NF, I think it's NFPA 70 for electrical components versus, you know, another location that maybe Brazil needs or, or what have you. So regulations obviously is what's difficult and what's what I would say is more challenging. The engineering, of course, is, is the same. It's the same core, core principles. got a very multicultural workforce there in, in the Basque country in Spain. You've got a lot of languages going on. Then you've got the multiple regulations with all of the jurisdictions that you're, you're, you're sending the technology to. And you've got a whole bunch of different engineers you're working with. So what are the joys and pitfalls of working and managing all of those engineers? Um, well, the joy is the language, as I explained, because, you know, you get confused and you have to make the best of it and laugh it out. Um, there's no pitfalls because we have a great product. So um, I think if you're developing a product that maybe you're not excited about, you could consider pitfalls. But for us, like I said, the regulations is, is what you would call a pitfall, but a regulation is a needed process. And it's part of our contract and our responsibility. So it's not something that uh, we, we come into and we're like, oh, I, this hit me, you know, out of left field. And I didn't expect this. We expect that with every project. And it's one of the first questions we ask when, when, the, when the time is right to ask it because we don't want to we don't want to confuse our partners and so when the time is right we get into that and that that's the challenging part um but the joy is the joy is it's gonna be super cheesy but seeing the final product and the opening product and seeing everybody happy including our clients and and all the patrons that does sound cool. So your CEO and WaveGarden co-founder Josema Odriozola hope I pronounced his name correctly he earned his industrial engineering degree at the University of Navarre in Pamplona. What does he bring to the table and what's it like working with him? So Josema's resume, I have a little bit here, a little bit snippet. So 
I might sound a bit reading on that part. Um, Josema is our CEO. He's the inventor of the of the wave technology, and he's the head of our technical department, our engineering department. He started the company in 2005, and now we we are the world leaders in, in wave making technology. So I would say that's pretty impressive. I think um, he graduated in 1993. Uh, his first work experience as a junior designer was on the Gold Coast in the USA with Gold Coast Shots, um, and which was one of the leading charter companies in its in its day. In Spain, he worked for three years uh, as an industrial engineer in Ira Carden. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, they manufacture automotive components, uh, leading industrial processes in design and materials. And in 1997, um, he founded with his wife, uh, Karen Frisch, uh, a company uh, focused on sports marketing and the design of outdoor sports facilities. And they were in a German fair called the ISPO, which is a sporting sporting fair. And they were exposed to uh, wave technologies and Josema said he could do it better. And since then, since 2005, since that fair, that's been his mission to bring waves to the world. And I should add that both Josema and Karin are very good surfers, very good surfers. So it's really in their core. Josema and his family, they, they all come, they're all surfers, um, high level. Uh, their kids are surfers as well, very high level as well. So really a core family of surfers and it's really important for them, the quality and, and bringing that back to the world. As for Josema and working with him, uh, to be honest, if you came to Wave Barn today and you didn't know Josema, you didn't know what he looked like, it would be really hard for you to identify Josema as an outside. Here, everybody works. It's kind of open office environment and everybody works together. And Josema doesn't really have an office. He's usually at someone's desk or, or grabbing a desk and, and either suggesting or advising or working together. Or he's, he's in a corner with his sketchbook and who knows what he's coming up with. So it's, it's a really live office and it's not at all. Uh, there's no separations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, and for, for me, for example, I, I, we recently closed a project for the East Coast USA and Josema came by uh, after the announcement and asked to see the renderings, the water information I had on the project. And so he sat with me, went through the project and what's known about it, some basic architectural plans. And he started giving me feedback, you know, this should be here and, and whatnot. So, and some ideas of what we can do with the park. So Yes, he's an engineer, and yes, he's uh, the head of our technology department and involved in, in many aspects. But uh, to him, the success of a park is 100%, not just the machine, from the beach, uh, the concrete and the walls, the, the perimeter paths. Um, so everything's really important for him in that sense, and that's really special. So everybody's interacting constantly, and, and that's Josema, the CEO. And I think... If I could add, Josema um, and all the Wakeguard family, their goal is to standardize the machine and be able to produce it at a competitive level. So you you would think that because we've we've now made a product and it's available as commercial and successful, you know, Josema could cruise, Josema could slide, but there's a constant push for efficiency here. And we're constantly improving everything from the energy management system we're working on to water quality, to machine improvement and efficiencies and products and materials. So it's, we're still not done. We've just started, even though 
we set the bar pretty high, even though it's our own bar. So exciting to see what we can come up with and where we'll end up. That'll sound like it. So, so how did you get to Wave Garden from construction management and mechanical engineering in Canada? I graduated, yeah, I graduated mechanical engineering in Ontario from Queen's University. Uh, and I, I really wanted to get to biomechanical engineering which is uh, ergonomics and anthropometrics. Uh, but you needed graduate studies for most of the work that I was um, finding out. And I wasn't really a big fan of doing more school. <laughs> so, so my dad, my Romanian immigrant dad, one day busted into my room at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I don't want to say the words that he used, but he basically said, enough of this, you are coming with me right now. And he grabbed me by the ear. And that's not a joke. They, you know, immigrant parents do grab me by the ear. Uh, and he, he had me put on my boots at 5 a.m. And he drove me to the site. And he put me put me as a secretary on site. Wow. Uh, the, the, and the money was okay. To be honest, you know, I just finished university. I had a bit of, I guess, engineering ego, if you will. I don't know if you've worked with junior engineers before. But I just finished engineering. I'm an engineer. Uh, rah, rah. And I was put on the construction site and despite being groggy, I thought, yeah, it's no problem. I can do this. And I was quickly put into my place, uh, the site supers and the contractors and everybody, everybody, you know, supported me. It was tough love. Uh, it was humbling for sure, uh, but always a learning experience. And I, I think it was an important experience. Um, so that's, that's where I started. And, and I, from there, uh, to be honest, my, my engineering degree helped me a lot, not, not in the way that I thought. I wasn't necessarily applying equations. It's just the principles of being organized and, you know, quality, uh, cost and time, which is the core principles of, of project management. Uh, that's what really set me apart. And I ended up going from secretary to site super or assistant super and then project manager. And I worked as a project manager for 15 years. And uh, towards my last project, um, I was building a hotel condo, um, a high-rise uh, luxury boutique hotel. And I, I was getting really burned out, to be candid, and I really needed a change. And my Spanish-born wife, who had an amazing job, uh, was up for an adventure. And so at the finish of my project, uh, it reached occupancy. Uh, I sold pretty much everything. And I arrived in Spain with five suitcases. My wife, uh, a, four, a four month old, decided to join as well. And, um, and we went from, from Toronto, six million people to my wife's village in Andalusia of 6,000 people. And suddenly no language, no idea. Wow. I, couldn't I couldn't communicate in her wife's in my wife's village. I was very much an outsider, and uh, it was it was terrifying, but very exciting. I was very conscious of every decision that I was making, and I definitely wanted the challenge. And I'm very lucky that um, maybe you can relate, but I have an engineering mindset, and I was trying to calculate it. Okay, I'm going to come here. I'm going to study for this time. I'm going to look for job A, B, C, D, like this. And my wife is very much different uh, than the engineering brain, if you will. And I think that helped like level it out of the anxiety of trying to get her perfect. And, you know, even though we're taking a risk, it's calculated, but then we also have to go with the flow. 
And so that was the process when I first came here. And fast forward a little bit, I came across a project in the south of Spain uh, for a wave facility that Wave Garden was doing. And I tried to reach out to the general contractor. That's my background. I can do construction. And so I was trying to find general contractor and I couldn't. So I reached out to Wave Garden. And before I knew it, I was in the Basque country, north of Spain, and I was being interviewed by Josema and Fernando. Fernando was his, his brother, also partner at Wave Garden, and the director of operations here. And it was about a three-hour interview. And I think at one point, Josema said to me, um, if I've ever built a wave pool, and I was like floored. I was like, I cannot believe that this is a prerequisite for this job. How many people do you interview that have built wave pools before? And, you know, I, I, I try, I try to like fluff it up, Michael. I was trying to say, you know, I, I built a, a pool in a hotel, you know, 10 feet by five feet or something. And this pool is a little bit bigger than that. So, um, but the interview, <laughs> the interview obviously went well and, uh, I, I got the job. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, I always equated working with working hard. I mean, I was put on the construction site by my dad. He, he being an immigrant and, you know, working hard, and working hard for your family. That's kind of, that's kind of the core I had. But now, now, of course, don't get me wrong. We have a lot of responsibility to wave guard in our clients expect a lot from us. It's an important product they're getting. And, and so I need to perform at a high level for our clients and educate them about the technology and what's required. But I really like the product. I really love the product. Um, I like working with my colleagues. Everybody here is very young at heart, meaning that they're experienced, but they're also athletic and, and adventurous. And that's very exciting. Um, so uh, it's, I really feel very lucky to be working here. And uh, it's been a um, very, very good experience so far, despite the initial risks and the initial panics of moving to Spain. Well, you sound really excited about the technology. You use the technology yourself, don't you? You actually surf sometimes at lunch. Yeah, I. Yes. So today, actually, the, the guys are surfing, the team is surfing here. Um, I, I do surf. I surf in Ontario. Shout out to the Lake Ontario people, surf Ontario and them. Um, but I, I'm not a very good surfer, to be honest. And not everybody at Wave Garden is a surfer. We have some really hardcore surfers here and we have some not so hardcore surfers or, or not surfers, if you will. And um, and yeah, we have a. Uh, uh, a wave pool in our in our office so our office to give you some some picture in your head we are surrounded by mountains and farms and it's not uncommon to be stuck outside the office because you're waiting for sheep to cross the path so you can get into the office wow it's also not uncommon during manure season when they're laying out the the, the fields to have some of that smell in the office but it's quite special nonetheless <laughs> um, <laughs> No, it's, it's a beautiful facility. It really is. And um, we have WaveGuard is actually the, the only wave maker in the world to have an exclusive facility that's for research and development. So our facility is not open to the public. And, uh, and first and foremost is for research and development, uh, different products, equipment and testing. Uh, it's also for when clients come, uh, 
they can try the machine, the technology. It's a, it's a smaller machine. Principle's the same. It's very exclusive. And so when we don't have clients and we're not doing research and development, the employees are allowed to, uh, should I say, test the technology so I don't sound too, too lucky. But we're allowed quality to... Quality control. Qual- that's the word. Quality control. Yes. We're allowed to do quality control on the machine. And, and we've organized ourselves. We're very respectful, obviously. And we have groups um, between us and between 20 minutes, maximum 30 minutes uh, during uh, our set time, we're allowed to go serve. If there's no clients, no, no R&D being done, there's no machine maintenance or anything like that. So, and we get to surf and it's amazing because, you know, you might come out from a meeting with people and then you're, you're surfing with them. You also get to meet different people in the company. So somebody in fluid dynamics that I wouldn't speak to because, you know, he's maybe I haven't had a chance to, or uh, another technology part, they might be in the water with us. Uh, everybody's really supportive. There's no fighting. You can get about 20 or 30 waves in your, in your set, in your sessions, um, and everybody's encouraging and they're fixing you. <clears throat> so for example, they'd say, you know, move your hand this way, look, look this way. And, and I've improved tremendously from the few surf sessions I did, uh, when I was in Ontario. And it's, the, it's really thankful to my, to my colleagues and having this wave facility where you get the same wave over and over and over. So you just have to tweak one thing and it improves. Um, so very special experience to definitely be able to sit at lunch. It's definitely better than a ping pong table and uh, very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so on that, you've definitely got Google Beach. So I know we can learn about wave garden at wavegarden.com, but you work with a lot of clients getting these things out into the public. If I've got a little spare cash lying around and I want a wave garden surf park in my neighborhood, what is the process you manage to get that done? So wave garden has two sets of contracts to help our clients. The first one I'm going to speak about is called the service agreement. And the second one is the acquisition agreement. Um, We recognize that this is a big investment and we want to support our partners through the whole process. The first contract that we would get into after, obviously, initial conversation and understanding your project. And to be candid, even at the initial conversation, we might tell you, you know, your project's not feasible. You know, there's not enough market or there's or we know the soil conditions already or whatnot. And being honest with our clients is important. We don't want to waste your time. We don't want you to waste our time. So it's a mutual understanding that let's be candid with each other. And let's make it work together. And, and if through the initial conversations, there's, uh, there's a plausible project, we would enter into a service agreement. Uh, this is a small but important contract because it demonstrates the commitment of both parties to work together. Uh, during this stage, we provide the full support in developing the business. Everything from architectural layouts, master plan, landscaping, business plan, uh, as well as operations. And of course, analyzing the terrain, the civil works, which is a big component of the developments. And we help our client with understanding the type of permitting required, especially for such a large body of water. And we help explain the various operating expenses associated with running a facility. This is not like a hotel. You can't take a a hotel operating facility book and apply it here. There's surfboards, there's wetsuits, there's different seasons, there's different levels. How do you manage all that? How do you 
profit off the the commercial aspect of the facility. So uh, we have very intrinsic knowledge of that, and uh, we share that with the client in an attempt to be successful. So the the service agreement is with the intention of having uh, 100% dedicated to ensuring that the, the client can achieve uh, plausible fundraising, uh, permitting, and and ensure that his terrain is is good enough for the facility. Uh, if if anything is to not go ahead, most likely is the terrain. So after more investigation and studies, uh, the soil improvement that may be required will probably be the biggest obstacle. Um, otherwise, we we are very good at creating and supporting our clients through all that process. And, and once we have that and there's confidence achieved in that, and we would, we would move into the acquisition agreement. And the acquisition agreement is uh, where you are purchasing the, the machine. And that's a very exciting process. And that's when the vision starts to become a reality. <clears throat> For the most part, that's, that's where I come in. Uh, with obviously the big wave garden team behind me. And we help uh, lead the client through all the process from completing their fundraising, if that's involved, or completing the permitting, if that's still, if that's still required, to getting the site ready, working with the general contractors, working with their engineers and our engineers, and, and that whole process. With the acquisition agreement, we also enter into a maintenance agreement. Uh, the maintenance agreement uh, ensures our, our machine has the longevity it needs for the successful operation of the facility. Um, I, our uh, after-sales service manager who comes from oil and gas, he was telling me or he's explaining to us that our machine has 99% availability, uh, which for the most part translate to our machine is almost 99% efficient, which I think is pretty good. It's better than any yeah. test score I've gotten in my, in my university career. So, um, and that's very important. We have over a thousand sensors on the machine. And those sensors are, are put into a cloud where the client and ourselves have access to that. And we're very, very preemptive in our, in our analysis of the machine. So we could call you um, very much in advance and say, you know, this part needs to be checked. And you check it and, and it's been really successful and it's, it's proving success in our existing facilities. So those are the contracts. The, the service, first the initial contact, the service agreement, where we help you from the pre-development work, the acquisition agreement, where you're going to go into development up until the opening and then post-opening the maintenance contract, ensuring that your machine continues to run how it's supposed to run and that you don't have any downtime. Yeah, 99% uptime for any type of a machine of that size and that complexity, that's a really, really good figure. You'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find most factories that could have 99% uptime, I would think. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, and I think your audience would understand it more. And like I said, I'm not an industrial guy. And, and at that point, the machine is operating. And I think that's the advantage of having the electromechanical gear motor motor because you can really gauge all the instruments and understand how, how it's functioning. So what is the future for WaveGarden and WaveGarden.com? Where are y'all going next? Well, what people see right now is our machine. We're making amazing waves. And I think that's an incredible site. And it's definitely bringing us clients. However, what's being noticed more and more is the background, the water. Uh, we are the only facility proving to have crystal clear water in our lagoons. And it's not a marketing strategy. It's a total commitment to water quality. Clear water is clean water. 
Um, and in fact, we are, we are on the committee of the Model Aquatic Health Code in the USA. Uh, we've had talks with the CDC in the USA. The USA is in a, a tremendously important market, as you can imagine. And so um, right now, we, we're getting a lot of calls internationally, but I'm specifically focusing on the USA for our water quality and how we're doing what we're doing to achieve the clarity of our water. Um, and that's something very special and very exciting. Uh, I mentioned earlier as well, in the future, we're, well, in the very near future, we're going to introduce an energy management system to our lagoon technology, which will just about eliminate our peak power supply. That will be an industry disruptor. And uh, very excited for that and see where that goes. And outside of that, um, with our testing facility in the Basque Country, and now that we know we have an operating facility and having the advantage of, of having an exclusive testing facility here at Wave Garden, um, we, we're applying what we have and we're, we're making partnerships to test different finishing products, paints, uh, terminations at the shore, things like that that we can test in our facility with our wave uh, with our wave machine and our wave making technology. And that is different. You know, the products really do take a beating. You're talking about applying products to, to finishings that are exposed to wet conditions and dry conditions, another transition, and then exposed to the sun all day or to the cold. So they're going through expansion, contraction. So there's a lot, in, a lot involved in that and having exclusive research and development facility is a really big advantage that our clients really appreciate, especially our, our clients engineers who are responsible for choosing the products they need to apply in their facilities. Uh, it's really, it's really great that they can say, you know, I have a product, Michael, you might come up with a product, you know, this company does something really great and you paint. Uh, what do you think? We can put it on our wall tomorrow and we can run a bunch of ways for the next <clears throat> several hours, days, we can tell you if that product starts to fade, yellow, peel, or whatever. And that, that's really important. It's, it's going beyond the wave machine. Um, and more than that, in the future, I know the goal is to have, in the next 10 years, uh, a surfing lagoon in every main capital in the world. That would be really cool. Where are your surfing lagoons right now? Uh, so our existing facilities are the Wave in Bristol, England, Urban Surf in Melbourne, Australia, Wave Park in Incheon, South Korea, uh, Alaya Bay in Siam, Switzerland. And we also have another facility in Facenda de Grama and next to Sao Paulo. But that facility is a private facility, so it's not open to the public. It's beautiful, and I wish it was open to the public, but it's a private facility. And we have a sixth facility in Wales, uh, which is Snowdonia. That's our first technology, um, which we don't offer anymore, but it's still a really beautiful place, like really, really beautiful. And they're still developing that land, a fantastic opportunity to go see it. Um, and I realize this is largely for American audience. Uh, and our, so our first facility in the U.S. will likely be in Coachella in California, although we have multiple projects there and everybody is super keen and excited. We'll see how the uh, surf lagoon race is in the U.S. Uh, in the coming year. Yeah, the Coachella one, I was looking at that online and uh, that's a few hours inland from L.A. ISC has a few student chapters in, I believe, L.A., San Jose, uh, San Diego, places around there. 
So maybe when you get that one opened, uh, we can have an IISC party there with a bunch of industrial engineers. I don't know how good a surfer they'll be, but it might be an interesting thing to happen. I can tell you a story that we had um, we had an engineering team come here from <clears throat> wasn't the U.S. is from Europe, and uh, there was a bunch of meetings here to do with the civil works. And one of the engineers, pretty big guy, uh, heavy set guy, and. And uh, we were finished early. It was very hot uh, that day, last year. And, and we asked them, do you guys want to go surfing? Two of them couldn't. Um, they didn't have any, they, they didn't feel comfortable that they, they were hurt or back. Or, well, and the other guy, the big guy was like, I would like to, but I'm too big. You know, and, you know I'm, I'm scared. And we said, no, 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 no worries. All good. And we have the equipment here. We gave him a, a wetsuit. We gave him a really big board. And we called our surf operations, one of our surf operations guy. We have honestly an amazing surf operations team. And so they 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 put him in the suit. Um, and he got they gave him some basic uh, input on surfing. And we put him in the water. And uh, here he is. We put the, the easy setting, our Waikiki wave, and uh, the wave came and and we pushed him a little bit. And he got up to his knees and put his arms up across. And uh, he he so excited. I've never seen an engineer so excited in my life. And uh, everybody, a wave guard at that point came from the offices because they heard they're like, woo! And they all cool. came to cheer, they all came to cheer him. And he was in the water for 20 minutes, just losing his mind in happiness. And and uh, and you know. It just to get to his knees, you know, we're, we're not asking anybody to go ride barrels or do aerials here or anything like that. And super exciting. So the lagoon is available for all levels, you know. So don't, you know, you guys might say, I don't know how good we'll be. It doesn't matter. You guys are gonna have a lot of fun. So I, I definitely hope you you can make it to Coachella and you can all have a have a big party and and surf easy waves, mellow waves, which are just as fun as the challenging waves. Definitely. Trust me, the mellow wave would be the one I would definitely start with, and I would definitely start on my knees. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay, as long as you start. Well, Barry, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a good interview. I've really enjoyed learning about Wave Garden. Hope our listeners do, too. They certainly learned a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to this episode of Problem Solved, the IISC podcast, a production of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers in Metro Atlanta. This podcast is produced by David Brandt, Keith Albertson, and Michael Hughes, and edited by David Brandt. You can listen to all episodes of Problem Solved and learn about sponsorship opportunities by visiting our website, podcast.iise.org. You can also learn more about IISE at the Institute's website, www.iise.org. 